1: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
0: So here we are again, another loss for the Patriots, this time against the Miami Dolphins. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, episode number 32. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast when you can. And, of course, we're brought to you by betonline.ag. Greg, I look at the notes that you sent us. We obviously – I don't need the notes to ask you about this the story of the game was the defense getting absolutely murdered by the miami run game a miami run offense that was literally going into this game one of the worst run offenses in all of football you could argue might have been the worst what in the world happened on sunday
1: yeah uh, one of the worst for years not just this year but multiple years um you know, what I saw on Sunday from the film, actually, to be honest, it, it made me pretty angry. I mean, I, I just, it, it was it was frustrating. It was, uh, I was angry. It's just, I just didn't understand the whole approach. I didn't understand the game plan. I mean, look, you come into the game and maybe you didn't know about their inactives and they didn't have Devontae Parker. They didn't have Gesicki. They didn't have Jakeem Grant. Maybe you didn't know about that till later, uh, maybe that day. Maybe that day. But, I mean, the the Patriots, how many years have we been told that they can adapt and they can do this and they can do that? And they come out – in most of the game they spent with two defensive linemen, four or five linebackers, four or five defensive backs. And the Dolphins, after trying the edges early, and they realized that the the Patriots basically came out with their approach against the the Ravens, which was sort of double-hanging edge players. Yep. Uh, the Dolphins just went inside and pounded them away, which the Ravens did not do. The The, the Dolphins just adjusted, and they would just go inside zone, double-team the two defensive linemen. The linebackers would be late to react, or they wouldn't fill, or they get blocked, and they couldn't get off blocks. And the Dolphins just own them. And, and uh, you know, okay, the first series you could say, all right, I get it. All right. You know, you didn't know what the Dolphins' approach would be. Uh it, but after that, I expected that they would adjust. I mean, you know, I looked at it and I was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe they just didn't have the personnel, but they had that, you know, Akeem Spence guy. He was active. I don't, I don't remember seeing him on the field at all. And, um, you know, they go out there with Lawrence Guy and Byron Cowart. You also have Dietrich Wise, who isn't any good inside, but what have you. He's a body. Um, you know, you have, you have Spence, you have Adam Butler, again, not great against the run, but at least his bodies. Like, at some point in time when you're getting shoved around, like you go to you go to goal line or you go to 5-2 or you do something where you say, all right, well, we're not going to let you get out on our linebackers and just run all day. Yet the Patriots did not do that. A, a couple plays they did it here and there, but for the most part they didn't. I just didn't understand. You have Tua Tungvaluwa, who's a rookie who is challenged as a thrower. And you knew, you know, you could see the Patriots and the Dolphins game plans were somewhat similar in that, you know, really short crossers, trying to get the ball out of the guy's hand, don't hold it for too long, all that stuff. And you look at the way the Dolphins played the Patriots, which was they did try to stack against the run. It didn't work at times because the Patriots are pretty good up front. But, you know, you know, the the, the Patriots just never never changed to the point where Nick, the last, the last play of the game. Okay. This is after the fourth down sack, whatever. They're still out there. Lawrence guy's out there and he's getting double teamed on the last play of the game. And like, like, what are we doing here? Like, what is going on? What was the plan? Did you, were they, the more I thought about it, I was like, maybe they were just, which they've done a lot this year. Maybe they're just trying not to lose the game. And they're just like, all right, well, We just we 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 don't want to give up any big plays. We want to keep the the score as low as possible. If they run the ball, they run the ball, what have you. You could see that against the Chiefs or the Ravens or somebody like that. But against the Dolphins without any of their weapons, like I just didn't understand it. And it just it was it was a major bummer. Not that I thought that the Patriots were, you know, gonna win this game or what have you, but I just I just didn't get it. It didn't make any sense. It was a big coaching error to me. It, Yes, they're challenged personnel-wise, but that's not what it was. They had the personnel to do better against the run. They chose not to do it. Why? I don't know.
0: I feel like this is a conversation that we had going back a few weeks ago against the Texans, the kind of frustration, the level of frustration that I hear from you because you're just watching the tape and trying to figure out what in the world – are they doing what what is the defensive game plan i remember you talking about it after that texans game saying you can watch the film and they tried nothing they they tried Mm -hmm. nothing against watson and you saw a change the next week against arizona when they did try different things and pressure kyler murray and do some different stuff up front and so you do wonder what happened and here's my concern greg my concern is everybody is focused on cam newton he has become the lightning rod of this football team, right? Mm -hmm. So every time we have a conversation about this team, there's a lot of fans that are just dumping on Cam, and they pretty much just wipe away everything else. So, well, what's it matter? You know, if you got Cam at quarterback, you're not scoring points anyway, so who cares what they're doing defensively or whatever they're saying, right? The focus has been on Cam. The focus has been on the offensive ineptitude of this team. And I feel like at a certain point, Belichick and the defense that part of this team has skated at times when they shouldn't have because there's been so much focus on cam and I think we have to underline how bad this defense has been from time to time and how that falls on Belichick and it also falls on his son Steve Belichick and I wonder I don't know if this is the case. But I do wonder if, you know, Poppy Belichick is giving his son a little bit of latitude and not getting on him as much because he, he wants to give him some kind of wiggle room and leeway to call the game. And I know Belichick inevitably, you know, he has the final say. All I'm saying is I'm wondering if it has something to do with father-son relationship communication where the, the son is kind of given this leeway where if it wasn't his son, maybe just maybe things would be a little bit different and maybe Belichick would be handling things differently.
1: Yeah, it's a good point, and actually, you, you talking about that made me think. Well, even though if if we're to believe Belichick by his word and 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 other things, then they weren't eliminated going into this game. So this game is all about winning this game because they're they're still mathematically alive. I was just wondering when you were talking about that. Is there a chance that maybe this week? Because as far as I know, going back ever since Matt Patricia left. Bill Belichick has basically been running the defense. Like he right. he's 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 he has a heavy hand in the game plans. He has a heavy hand into the the call sheet that that Steve has in his hands. It's basically supposed to be paint by numbers, which is if they're this part of the field, this situation, this is what they're going to run. I'm wondering, and and this game against the on the ground seems so out of character for me watching this team. I mean, it's one thing for them to be inept. Against a mobile quarterback like Deshaun Watson, because we've seen that before. We've seen it from Deshaun Watson against this defense. That season opener a couple years ago when he was coming off ACL, he played great against them and it could barely crown. They're just lucky he was a little bit rusty coming off the injury. But for a team that was as challenged as the Dolphins were with weapons and with an unproven quarterback who's, who's, you know, been iffy at times throwing from the pocket in games this was really out of character to me. And it leads me to think that maybe Bill tested Steve a bit this week and said, you know what, you know, this is now we're almost two years into this thing. I'm going to test you a little bit. You develop the game plan. You do the calls. Let's see how you do. And look, I don't know if that's the case. I have no idea. I didn't ask anybody that cause I just thought of it, but if that's the case, then it was, it was just a failing. And the thing is, this is like people will say, well, you know, they, they, they had a shutout in the first half. Well, I would, I would, I would subscribe that, that, that might be the worst first half shutout I've ever seen in NFL history, considering they gave up a 15 play 95 yard drive that resulted in the, in the interception. They had an 11 play drive before halftime where they missed a field goal. Then they come out nine plays. Then they, they do get a three and out. Well, actually they had 13 yards in the play. There was a penalty. Um, but then they had a 14-play, 85-yard drive, 11-play, 75-yard drive to to decide the game. With the game on the line, mind you. And that's the other thing, Nick, that we didn't talk about. is like the Dolphins really didn't impose. It was like they went in at halftime and Brian Flores says, I know this personnel. They're not adjusting. Run the crap out of the ball. Because yeah. they ain't going to stop it. And they yep. basically, the second half, they just shoved it down the Patriots' throat and they just took it. And that, to me, was the most distressing thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I tweeted this out somewhere, I think, midway through the third quarter or so. If I'm Miami, I don't throw the ball again. And I wasn't being hyperbolic. Like, I literally would not – there was that one play, I think it was, what, a third and eight, and they ran a draw and picked up, like, 15. Mm -hmm. I mean, just keep running the football. They can't stop the run. And the reason why I throw the Steve Belichick thing out there is just I have too much – you know, confidence in Belichick. We call him the greatest coach of all time. We call him a defensive Mm -hmm. guru, a great defensive mind. We see them play well against teams like Kansas City. We see them play well against Kyler Murray. So at times this year, this defense, they haven't. Yeah, they've thrown different things at these teams, and it's worked. So I'm just trying to figure out, what happens? I'm sure it's not Belichick waking up the week of the Miami game and just forgetting how to coach a defense and and come up with a game plan. So I don't know if there's something there. There's got to be something there when we watch the Houston game and it's very vanilla and they don't do anything to change it, even though it's rather obvious that they were in desperation mode. They did nothing to change it that game. And then this week against Miami, they're getting gashed against the run. And it's like, well, hey, that's what's going to happen. We've we've accepted our fate in this game and they're going to run for like 300 yards. So uh, there's there, if we're going to sit there and talk about Belichick being such a great defensive mind, when it is so obvious to me and to you and to everybody else watching the game, and there's no change, there's no adjustment. There's a reason for that. And and I want to know what the reason is, is it Belichick? Like you said, just coaching not to lose. Is it because he's giving Steve a little leeway, a little wiggle room and you know, Steve's just not figuring it out. Uh, there's got to be something because as you said, it's it's not always just Johnny's and Joe's because they do have some of the personnel they could have thrown out there to help. It would not have, you know, might not have shut Miami down, but they've got the personnel to at least try to limit it. And this was more formation. This was more approach than anything else, Greg.
1: Yeah. It was just, there was one drive. I think it was, I don't know if it was the one before halftime, but it was just, it, it was every play. It was like, it was like, you know four yards here and six yards here and seven yards here and th- four yards here like it's just like you know you know what are we doing here I mean yeah. are we are, are we trying to stop the other team or what it was just it was frustrating that's a, a good job by you you know drawing the parallel to the this was the run based version of the Houston game uh where you know against Houston was the pass they couldn't stop at all and this was the run and just I mean, the Miami Dolphins without their top three weapons with a rookie quarterback did whatever they wanted to basically on offense. And, and that's just, that's just a sad state of affairs for, for for this defense. And yeah, sure. There were some mental errors and stuff like that, but I mean, you know, like there was that one red zone where the Dolphins sort of went no huddle and it's because they knew they had the the Patriots in personnel, where the Patriots are in it's it's inside the ten yard line, and they have two defensive linemen on the field. Yeah, like what the hell are we doing? What kind yeah. of this is? This is not defense. It's just not.
0: And, and there's there's these things that are happening. And again, I don't know if it's on Steve Belichick, if it's on Bill Belichick, if it, but there are certain things that happen. How many times this year? have we sent uh, have we seen 12 men on the field how many times have we seen not enough guys on the field coming out of a tv timeout end of quarter tv timeout you've got what three and a half four minutes to get 11 guys Mm -hmm. out there on the field in the first snap out of a tv timeout you've got
1: 12 men on the field this is the thing is (laughs) nick there wasn't anybody even running off the field yeah like When they threw the flag, when they blew the play dead, there were still 12 guys on the field. Like, (laughs) is anybody paying attention? Is anybody (laughs) counting? Like, I could see Mayo a little bit on the sideline, like, being like, at the last minute, being like, ah, crap. But, like, hello? Like, is anybody at home?
0: It's rudimentary stuff. And the other thing, from a coaching standpoint, that drove me crazy, and I know it's a tiny detail at the end of the game, and they were probably not going to win this. But why in the blue hell? Why in the blue hell do you not kick a field goal and then go for an onside kick? You, you had your timeouts. You've got, you know, I think it was what, around, you know, just under two minutes or so, whatever it was. Kick the field goal. It would have been about 41 yards, which at this point for Nick Folk, who's been the one saving grace, he and Bailey, you know, that's pretty much a cookie for Nick Folk right now. Kick the 41-yard field goal. Get down by seven. Onside kick it. If you don't even, you know, if the onside kick doesn't work, you still have some timeouts. What happens if they fumble a snap, something crazy? Maybe you go three and out with Miami's offense, even though that was very unlikely. Give yourself a chance to win that game. And Belichick going forward on fourth down, down by 10, made no sense to me when you were within field goal range. And I've seen coaches all, all throughout the yep. NFL. I saw a situation this weekend. Or did it the week before. I mean, I just... What are you doing? You're down by 10 field goal range. You've got timeouts, kick the field goal, get within one possession and maybe something funky can happen. Maybe the onside kick works. Maybe a turnover happens. You got a rookie quarterback. Who knows the fact that they did not even give themselves a chance at the end of the game drove me crazy.
1: Nick, I'll actually, I'll actually go a little bit further than that. I thought considering the situation, they only, they only had two timeouts left when Newton hit uh, James White for 11 yards. That was with the play started at 241. So say it's 230 at that point. Right. And they got down to the Miami 30 at that point. They should have, if they were on the ball, if you're really trying to win the game and and you think that, all right, the onside kick isn't going to work. So our best chance is the two minute warning and the two timeouts to play defense, even though. God forbid they probably would have put one defensive lineman out there at that point to stop the run. (laughs) But um, really, I thought they should have run up right there and clocked it and kicked it. Because right there, there's 230 left. You kick the field goal. Like you said, play the odds. Nick Folk's been money. You know, ride the wave. And if he misses, he misses. What, What do you have left to lose? But your best chance to come back in that game was right there at 230, kick the field goal, then kick off. Then you have you have two timeouts left as soon as they run a play you take a timeout like you could get the ball back with a little bit under uh, a little bit under 2 minutes if you get the stop yep driving for the game tying touchdown and they just yeah that didn't, that didn't happen
0: I don't get it uh we'll get into cam in a minute but first tell us about betonline.ag greg
1: Yeah you know look we're in what week 16 now the pen ultimate gross. the pen ultimate week of the season uh, yeah, and so there there's a ton of action. We got games. We have Saturday games this week, don't we? Yeah, Yep. Two, I think. I believe I we think do. They, uh, Maybe that's next. I think to... there's multiple games on Saturday. Um, but, uh, you know, we might not be at the games this year, but you could still be in on action at betonline.ag. Uh, no matter how the schedules change and who knows with COVID what's going to be going on with that, Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on in every game this season with the fastest fastest updated odds in the industry. Uh, I was just looking at the Patriots spread. I think they're being a little generous that the Bills only favor by seven. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I must be missing something, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online at BetOnline.ag. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great mid-season bonuses, or sorry, late-season bonuses, offers, contests. They're going to have stuff for the playoffs. They got daily fantasy. They got props. They got all sorts of stuff. Uh, you know, the NBA. I know your Celtics are starting up very soon right. tomorrow night yep. against the Bucks, and they're also playing on Christmas Day, aren't they? They are against the Nets. Yep. Oh, Kyrie oh, and Sage. Yes, So you can get your bets in on that. I'm sure they'll have some great props for the season over unders on the NBA as far as wins and things like that. Uh, I would take the under on the Celtics, but that's me. Uh, But make sure you head over there to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts.
0: Yeah, based off of the Celtics preseason, I know a lot of people would be betting the under. Uh, By the way, now that I'm thinking of it, I think it's a triple header on Saturday for the NFL. It's the Buccaneers. Buccaneers-Lions, I know for a fact that's happening. And then there's, I think, two more. And there's a game on Christmas. There's a game on Christmas. There's the Saints-Vikings, I believe, on Christmas
1: Day. Oh, yeah. Friday uh, Friday at 4.30, Christmas Day. You have a triple header on Saturday. Here we go. And then your normal assortment on Sunday and Monday. And Patriots-Bills on Monday.
0: All right, so I don't want to go too, too crazy on Cam because I feel like we're a broken record at this point. But yeah. just a, a quick recap of what you saw from him on Sunday. Obviously, it wasn't good.
1: Yeah, well it it, it just wasn't good, and it's a, it's the same thing every week where it's just he's just a little bit off. I mean, if you look at the first and, and I don't know if it was on the first series or the second series, the one Devin Osiose in the left flat that was oh, yeah. just that
0: a 120 mile an hour bullet that he threw to him. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, it was just that is a. They've been they've been running that play all year. We've seen d- different variations of it. This is, it's the same play where Ryan Izzo missed the pick for James White against Houston on a yeah. big third down. Um, they run different variations of it. They did it in this game. It's basically, you know, if they just want to get a good, solid play, this should be a layup if, if you guess right against man coverage. And Josh McDaniels, again, guessed right that the Dolphins would be in man coverage. They're a heavy man coverage team. You know, out comes Devin Asiasi and he's seven yards in front of Cam Newton and he throws it 120 miles an hour. Now, what's it what is it? A terrible pass? No. Should Devin Asiasi could he have caught it? Yes. Should he have caught it? I don't know. I mean, it was just look, just throw it with some touch. And he could have thrown it a little bit earlier. You just see this time after time where he's just he's late with passes, they're off the mark, they're thrown like for example. The Jacoby Myers fumble cam threw that to the inside, like a good quarterback leads Jacoby. Myers. There was nobody in front of him. Yeah. And what does he do? He throws it. So J- Jacoby has to stop the defenders catch up and they're able to get a hit on the ball. A good quarterback puts it in front of him. He catches it. He runs for another 10 or 15 yards, probably out of bounds. And instead because of Cam's inaccurate throw, and late throw, the the defenders cause a fumble. So that's just another example where you know Cam's just inability to function within this scheme properly with the right timing. Um, you know he did have one play where he did a nice job. It was actually you know play action, boom, make the pass. I thought his best pass was uh, you know when he scrambled a bit and hit James White for about 21 yards. I thought yeah. that was a tremendous play. And yep. it was more of the plays that we thought we were going to get from Cam this year. But I mean, he was just, he was bad. He took the sack on fourth down when uh, you know, he had other options. Like he, he had to know that he, a running back, it was James white trying to hold up against Jerome Baker. It's just not going to happen. Like you gotta, you gotta make a decision and it's just that kind of stuff just happens over and over again. There hasn't been any progress there. It's just, it's just not good enough.
0: And you know, maybe one day we'll get the story behind the scenes or We'll figure out what truly happened here. I've said this all season long. The people that thought they knew who Cam was on the field and they doubted his ability before he signed with the Patriots, they feel like they've been vindicated. They feel like it's been justified what they had said before. But I'm telling those people what you see this year from Cam is not Cam Newton. The, the, we're talking about yeah. somebody who was, you know, at his best, an MVP. Uh, you know, at his at his even worst was still seen as a top 10, 11, maybe 12 quarterback in the league. What you're seeing now is literally a guy who is one of the worst quarterbacks in all of football. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's physical. I don't know if it's both. I have no idea what's going on with Cam Newton. But I I picked the Patriots to go nine and seven this year. That was based off of the thought that Cam would be at least average. And he's been well below average. So I know people are taking victory laps, and that's cool. You can take your victory lap if you'd like. But what I'm telling you is I've seen Cam Newton play a lot of football. And through his first eight years at Carolina, what you're seeing with New England right now is not Cam Newton. This is a guy that looks like he doesn't know how to play football. And, yes, he was inaccurate at times at Carolina – he was a guy that would usually complete about 61, 62% of his passes. The rest of the league, you're around 67, right? That That's where you want to be between 65 and 70 now in 2020. He was never a guy who was super accurate, tight window kind of throw guy. I even remember the Super Bowl. He started the first two series. Almost every throw was 10 feet above the intended receiver. You know, he, He's never been a super accurate guy. But what you're seeing, the the decision-making, being so late, Not realizing the obvious that is in front of him. I mean, he's just, he's broken. He's a broken dude right now. And I I don't know if it's mental, physical, or both, but whatever it is, he's just, he's not the same guy. And right now, he's not an NFL quarterback.
1: I think it's Nick at this point. I think it's, uh, I think it's a little bit of everything, including the Patriots' lack of weapons. Like, I think he, I think he, if the Patriots had real wide receivers if they had a number one wide receiver if they had another number one tight end if they had a healthy Julian Edelman I think he would be a little bit better in terms of the defense would have to play play them differently and it would give Cam a little bit more time to sort things out I think he's he he looks like he's mentally slow because of the the scheme he's just not used to it and he needed more practice time in it and he hasn't he hasn't gotten it and it's just um, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a whole bunch of things. And I thought one of the things that jumped out in this game when I was watching on the coaches film, cause you know, the, the first angle that you get is the quote unquote, all 22, where it's, you know, high above the year high, high above the stadium looking down on the game. And you really noticed it, there was a big contrast between Tua and Cam in that, in terms of the effort that it takes to throw the ball. Like yeah. there were times when Tua was throwing the ball that I couldn't even, he, he he just had like no movement. It was it was very subtle. It was just like a quick, like a little whip. He would whip the ball out there real quick. And I was just like, wait, where's the ball? Has he thrown it? What's what's going on? Where is the ball? I couldn't see it because he, he was so quick and subtle in his movements where Cam, every throw is this grand production in terms of uh, energy that it takes. And that like, it, it, if he doesn't clean that up, um going forward whether it's in New England or elsewhere um he's done as an NFL quarterback yeah. because like he he cannot throw like that every single pass cannot be that much effort and it just it doesn't work in terms of just the effort and also the timing in these passing offenses which are more and more get the ball get it out whip it out you know all that stuff get it and go and Cam is just you know he looks like a dinosaur out there in yeah. more ways than yeah. one
0: Yeah. And listen, I'm almost more angry about the defense than I am about Cam because going into the season, I could understand Belichick believing that, hey, even if Cam's average, he'll be a top 15 guy or so. right? If he can get back to even close to what he was, he'll be a top 15 quarterback or so. We can live with that. The defense thing is just uh, – that is inexcusable to me. I mean, th- that's just – it's it's criminal what happened on Sunday. The Boston journal.com member question of the day. Check them out over at BSJ. 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis, Bedard does on the coaches film, and direct access to him in a weekly chat. Uh, let's start with uh, – we actually have two questions, both on McDaniels. It's kind of – yeah. I figured I'd
1: include fun. both
0: of them. Yeah, it's kind of fun because it's it's kind of polar opposites here. Uh, Bay Area Pats fan asks, should McDaniels' job be secure? Monte 213. Monte 213 says, I'd love at some point to get Greg's take on the work of McDaniels this season because as strange as it will sound, I think the season has been some of his best work. So you've got one Patriots fan questioning <laughs> whether or not he should have a job. You've got another Patriots fan saying, this is some of his best work. What do you think of McDaniels
1: this year, Greg? Uh, yeah. I mean, in general, it's been. I mean, you know, outside of a few play calls here and there, um. You know, I I I think he's done fine. I mean, I think he's done about as well as you can, and you know, I the big thing I wanted to talk about with this question is, and I sort of hinted at it previously when we talked about the Devin Osiasi play because there was also a play later on in the game, where they ran the same type of play to Nikhil Harry. And Newton, A, didn't throw the ball to Nikhil Harry. B, held on to the ball, got pressured, and then threw a ground ball to Demir Bird. Yeah. That play was actually the same type of play. It was designed to go to Nikhil Harry. It was there. He didn't throw it. And so, there's just – and we've talked about this all year. Like, it, it the biggest plays in the game when the play to Patriots have failed, it's not – because the other team got them, or something unexpected, it's just a lack of execution because of a lack of talent. Whether that's from the quarterback, or you know, blocking when Devin Asiasi misses a block last week, or or a Wenu in Seattle on the on the fourth and goal play where he just he blocks the wrong guy. I mean that that kind of stuff has been happening over and over again. And I think if anything that we've learned about this team this year especially on offense it's just when you can't regularly produce big plays and, and bank on them to get, you know, once in a while, you know, once a game bust a, you know, a 20, you know, a really good 20 to 40 yard play, maybe once every five, four or five games, you get a 50, 60 yard touchdown. Like those things just don't happen to this team. And so you know, we saw the, the Patriots had a drive where it was like four yards and five yards and this and that. And, and th- they got three drives where they got to the Dolphins 35 yard line. They got the ball there. And then all of a sudden it malfunctions because of the Aussie play, play, the, the hairy play. You don't complete those, those simple plays and suddenly it's third and 10 and you're not converting. And so, you know, Look, I'm sure I'm sure McDaniels would, would want a few plays back and maybe some game plans back, which is normal. But, you know, in general, I think he's done pretty well. I mean, he, people say, oh, well, why doesn't he call more fancy plays? I see trick plays and this and that, and the Dolphins were running this and that. Yeah, well, you can get to that stuff when you can do the simple things. I mean, as I've right. illustrated time and time again, this team can't even execute their – simple foundational plays in this offense so why the hell would you expect them to be able to execute some trick play with six different parts like it's just the the bottom line is they were just not talented enough on offense you it, it can't be you can't be 5 yards every play and matriculate down the field you need some big plays they never got those and so they had to be perfect basically otherwise and it just didn't happen
0: all right, let's get to the uh, Bills game. The pick Bills minus seven. How do you feel?
1: Uh, not good, especially without Gilmore in this game. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, we saw Jackson earlier get roasted by Stefan Diggs, and I just think th- the Bills are rolling at this point. I still, I'm not a huge believer in the Bills. I think they're very talented, and I think Brian Dayball's done a great job. I think Stefan Diggs... Has made such a difference there. Beasley's really good. Dawson Knox has gotten really good. Um, their offensive line has improved. Allen has improved, but not as much as he's shown this year. I mean, he's not he's not a golden god or anything like in one year. That just doesn't happen. It happens yeah. when you have the best weapons east of Kansas City and, a, and an offensive coordinator who who knows how you're comfortable. And also the big thing with the Bills is that. They've seemingly always played from in front this year. And when you do that, that makes Josh Allen very comfortable. He is not as good of a passer when he's trailing. Uh, It's there in the stats. I just don't think without Gilmore that they're going to be able to slow these guys down. Buffalo might run all day too after seeing what the the Dolphins did on Sunday. I just don't know how the Patriots – A, I don't know how they stop the Bills frequently enough, and B – even though the Bills aren't good on offense, I don't know how they score at all. I mean, they haven't scored in two games yeah. when, when the season was on the line. How are they suddenly going to score now? I just don't see it. I mean, I think the Bills will win, uh, you know, probably by multiple scores in this game. And and you're just – I think if you're Bill Belichick, you're hoping just not to get embarrassed on national television because I think that's in the realm of possibility.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how anybody can pick the Patriots right now the way they've looked the last two weeks, especially offensively. But then you have the defense last week just getting gashed and embarrassed, and I don't even know who's going to be the quarterback. You know, I'm, I'm hoping we see a little bit of Stidham. Maybe that's just you know hope and, and nothing else. Who knows if Belichick's going to pull the trigger on that? So uh, I think the Bills win this game by at least ten points as well. Uh, he is Greg Bedard. I am Nick Cattles. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, episode number thirty-two. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. And everybody, we want to spend uh, send a special note to all of you. Have a great holiday. Be safe. Be good. And be healthy.
1: Nick, and one last thing before we go, because I forgot. Sure. Anybody looking for a last-minute gift for that boston sports fan out there your dad your mom your aunt your uncle whoever head over to bsj it'll be quick and easy it'll take you about 30 seconds the instructions are all there you you know you don't have to see anybody you know you're socially distanced all that stuff quick and easy if you, if you haven't gotten anything yet uh a gift subscription to bsj look we it gives every day of the year so Appreciate you guys. Merry Christmas and happy holidays.